Welcome to the first of our Christmas BMJ podcasts. You may have seen in the news today, it's caused consternation on morning TV and Twitter is aflame with men claiming affirmation for their malingering. Man flu, the phenomenon that men experience the symptoms of a viral illness more than women, is usually met with derision. But a new review, published in the Christmas edition, is asking, is there a plausible biological basis for this sex difference? I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor for the BMJ. And earlier, I talked to Kyle Sue, a clinical assistant professor in family medicine at the Memorial University of Newfoundland and a GP in Northern Canada. And he's been looking at the research on the sex difference in immune response. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, what are you doing up in up in Canada, uh, up in the north of Canada, and what are you studying there? Uh, so I'm a rural uh, general practitioner, um, and uh, I've been working up in uh, Nunavut territory here in the Canadian Arctic uh, for five years now. It covers two million square kilometers and three time zones, but uh, there's only 37,000 people spread across this area. Uh, I cover um, a, a town of 3,100 people. Uh, that's fly-in only, so there's no roads in or out. Okay. And I'm the only doctor here. I was going to say, I mean, if you're the only doctor there, are you seeing uh, it must be hard for men up there to have man flu if um, if they're so isolated yeah. and, and away from things. And uh, presumably, you know, viral diseases, viral illnesses don't get spread around amongst your your population that much? Um, actually, quite the contrary. Because of uh, the socioeconomic conditions here, it's, uh, our uh, infectious disease rates are similar to the third world. Our tuberculosis rates are uh, sky high, higher than anywhere else in the developed world. Um, syphilis rates, um, uh, yeah, everything is very high here. Because uh, we sometimes have families of 20 people living in a two-bedroom uh leaky prefabricated house and so um that ends up being uh, quite a problem up here because oh, sure. we don't have a hospital either so um and now the article that you've written for the bmj is very much around uh man flu and the possibility that this might actually have um some plausible basis in science i'll start this with a confession um i think i suffer terribly from man flu um, I don't think I've ever had a mild cold in my life. Others may disagree. Um, why was it that you decided to, to have a look at this? Um, well, to be honest, I've actually only been accused maybe twice of exaggerating my symptoms. I, I tend to try to trudge through uh, when I'm ill because knowing that I'm the only doctor uh, around, uh, I, I can't really just stay at home uh, because uh, lives are at stake. Um, but this all started actually as a part of uh, my master's degree program. I was told that I needed to give a two-minute presentation uh, to my classmates, and my classmates were from uh, various uh, different backgrounds, and so uh, I had just had the flu the week prior, so uh, this seemed like a a relevant topic, and uh, it just so happens that my uh, classmates found it very entertaining, so I thought, okay, maybe I'll do further research into this and actually um, uh, get it published so it can help men uh, across the world, I guess. Um, thanks. And, 
yeah, I mean, to, to do that, you've, you've trawled through um, the literature, and there's a lot of it out there, um, to see if there's any reason why men might actually suffer more uh, when they have flu, um, or I suppose a cold or influenza-like illness. Um, and you've come up with some ideas that, that might engender a little bit more sympathy um, amongst your colleagues, uh, or, or women in general. Um, so if we could go through them, I think, firstly, you looked at, at immune response um, starting in mice. So, uh, so what did that tell you? Uh, that's right. So, so there's been uh, a number of studies on this topic. Um, actually, surprisingly, many of them are done by women. Um, and uh, on mice, uh, on human blood in the test tube, on, on humans... Uh, and epidemiologic studies as well. And uh, what the evidence so far uh, sort of points to is that uh, when it comes to uh, viral respiratory infections, it seems that men have a weaker immune response, uh, uh, therefore having um, longer-lasting symptoms, worse symptoms, um, higher hospitalization rates, uh, higher mortality rates, um, and uh, the higher the testosterone, it seems that uh, the worse the um, uh, immune response. Whereas in women, it seems that the higher the estrogen, the better the response. Um, now, that being said, uh, this is only for um, the common viral respiratory infections. Uh, when it comes to pandemic infections, uh, you know, uh, viruses that uh, humans have not been exposed to before, uh, such as uh, the Spanish flu in 1918, uh, women actually did worse because their uh, stronger immune systems uh, released uh, so many inflammatory cytokines that it was almost like a cytokine storm that overwhelmed the uh, body more so than the infection did. Mm -hmm. um, whereas when it comes to common uh, uh, infections like this, uh, uh, women, uh, their stronger immune systems are able to neutralize the virus uh, a lot faster than men do. I mean, that's interesting uh, because you've, you've talked about the sort of immune-mediating response of um, sex hormones there. Um, and... I mean, this is something that I always understood was that when you actually get a cold or an illness, a bit like you, you mentioned with the cytokine storm there, it's actually your immune response that makes you um, feel as bad as you do. Yes. Um, so uh, for men, even though they might be responding not as well as to women, they might not actually feel as bad as women do. Well, yes and no. Well, because they have a harder time um, neutralizing the virus, uh, they tend to um, feel worse for longer. Whereas, um, so the virus actually ends up, uh, uh, um, you know, at higher teeters, at higher levels than um, uh, than for uh, than for women. So, so. Uh, so the virus is able to overwhelm the body more uh, so than the immune system does. Sure, thanks. Um, so that's why it lasts longer. In terms of uh, whether the symptoms are actually worse, I, I believe the um, the couple studies there weren't uh, too definitive. Uh, but uh, lasting longer, it seemed that um, it, it does last longer. That's interesting. Um so the other thing you, you looked at, um, 
and you, as you say, uh, there have been a couple of studies on this, is um, how people feel and and what they do when they they actually get a cold or or flu, um, and there was a sex difference there. What was that? Well, the common uh, stereotype is that uh, whenever uh, men get ill, uh, they're just completely debilitated, and you know, even uh, uh, having one symptom, they're um, uh, not able to do anything, and they're just uh, you know lying on the couch. But then uh, there was one study that uh, surveyed men and women consulting general practitioners for common symptoms of minor infectious uh, respiratory illnesses, and actually found that women were significantly more likely to report cutting down activities. Um, in response to even just one symptom. Uh, so that contradicts the common myth that men uh, cut down activities more. Now, is that just because that um, men um, men are staying at home and they're uh, not as likely to consult their general practitioners? Uh, that I don't know. Interesting. Um, the other thing I wondered about that was, you know, there could be some sort of confirmation bias in here. So, uh, as you say, when when people hear man flu and they think of men, um, they might be looking out for men to complain more or perhaps um, pay, pay more attention uh, when when men do complain. Yes, that's right. Uh, however, uh, epidemiologic studies of uh, hospitalizations and uh, mortality, uh, there's um, you know, that's clear. And uh, likewise with um, um, you know, mice studies and test tube studies, um, because they're not necessarily looking at symptoms. They're more looking at um, the inflammatory markers, the, um, um, the level of virus uh, in the blood, uh, things like that, that uh, can actually be objectively um, quantified uh, as opposed to um, um, the confirmation bias with... Um, uh, you know, rating symptoms. Sure. Um, so there's something else going on there as well, because you, as you mentioned, women slow down. Um, they don't necessarily stop, but they slow down when they, they're beginning to feel ill. But men actually keep going or perhaps or perhaps don't even see a doctor. Um, so just pushing through and keeping going until you actually collapse, uh, that doesn't seem like a very useful survival strategy for men. No, uh, that doesn't. Um, so, you know, evolutionarily, um, I, I, actually, I was surprised there were already so many studies that uh, uh, looked at this from, on an evolutionary basis. And um, so it is known that, you know, in the past, men were more likely to be out hunting and um, engaging uh, dangerous predators in order to um, get food for the family. And so those are very uh, dangerous um, activities that required um, you know, more aggressive behavior, stronger muscles, things like that, that testosterone would be really helpful for. But um, in terms of weaker immune system, well, they were more likely to die from trauma before an infection actually gets them. So um, if they were to get an infection and it completely takes them out, um, then in that sense, maybe they won't be out uh, trying to hunt uh, dangerous animals while very slow and not being able to think properly, and they would actually stay back uh, uh, where it is safe. 
So maybe there is an evolutionary basis to that as well. Mm, interesting. So there is some evolutionary pressure, you know, for more testosterone, which has this immune down-regulating effect. Um, but there's not the the counterpoint of of men needing to have a good immune system to survive because the chances are they might have died anyway from it. Mm-hmm. So after all of this. Uh, you know, you've you've read around, um, and in your clinical practice, you you obviously see men um, with viral illnesses fairly regularly. So, uh, do you have an impression? Do you think um, man flu is a, is an actual biological thing, or or do you think it is a more of a sociological uh, issue? Hmm. Well, the evidence does point to there being some biological basis to it. As for the degree that uh, uh, the biology plays uh, versus uh, sociology, that's hard to say. In terms of my practice, I find that uh, men tend not to come in until they're super sick. Both my female and male populations that are quite sick here, and they uh, are often um, uh intubated and sent to the intensive care unit down south uh, uh, just for pneumonia. And so is it that men who aren't as sick are just staying at home and not coming in to see me? I, I, don't, I don't know. So it's hard for me to say if the men that I see uh, are more sick than the women because I think men see me less frequently. Uh, in terms of um, just observing you know, my colleagues and my uh, social circle, well, it does seem that when any of us get the man flu, we seem to be completely debilitated and, uh, and more so than women. But is that because women are more resilient uh, and are able to juggle more? I don't know. So there's still a lot of questions that are unanswered. So... Uh... So if anyone out there like me really wanted to pin this on pin this on the biology, uh, we can't say that yet. Um, Kyle Sue, thank you very no. much for taking the time to talk to me today. My pleasure. That's great. I think that sort of was a whistle stop tour through what you what you wrote, but um, kind of gets the point across. Were there any other points that you particularly wanted to to bring up? Um, no, not in particular. Cool. And or any other th- any other interesting things that you you want to share? Any anything at all? Again, I was just surprised that there are so many uh, female authors for the studies <laughs> I studied. Uh, there seem to be more women than men studying this. Does it just mean there's more female uh, researchers, or that they're more interested in this? Because uh, I would have thought that men would be more inclined to study the man's flu because uh, it's something that we can defend ourselves with uh, when we're ill. Have you had much interest from media? Have people been calling? Uh, I've done at least 40 interviews so far. and uh, wow. Probably just, yeah, probably like six uh, this morning alone. And wow. uh, overnight, uh, I've been getting, I got at least 10 calls overnight last night. And the problem is I can't turn off my phone because I'm <laughs> the only doctor and I'm on call for the community. So I didn't sleep very well. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I'm hoping this dies down soon. <laughs> oh, that's that's. Uh, this obviously means that there are a lot of people out there uh, care about man flu. <laughs> I guess so. It affects half of the uh, world population, I suppose. But yeah, from all over the world, uh, I've had a call from Brazil, uh, the United States, Canada, 
uh, United Kingdom, um, like everywhere. You've been listening to Kyle Sue discuss a biological basis for man flu. Before we finish, it's time to remind you that Christmas is a time of giving. And this year's Christmas appeal is for MSF. In previous years, the BMJ's readers have been very generous to help our charities, and we urge you to do that again. Here's Javed Abdelmanim, Emergency Medicine Doctor and Chair of MSF UK, to explain why BMJ's chosen MSF this year and why you should donate. Well, MSF was involved from the very beginning of this Ebola outbreak in West Africa, uh, and it was in fact uh, through an MSF laboratory that the blood sampling was tested and, 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 and diagnosed with Ebola. From that very moment uh, of, di- of the diagnosis having been made, uh, MSF put a ra- set about making a, um, reacting to it with, with containment teams and, and treatment centres. And we can, we can react in, and we do, we mandate ourselves to react in, um, uh, in uh, natural disaster, in, in disease epidemic, in conflict settings, and in areas where there's health imbalance. You know, we were the first to bring out antiretroviral drugs for HIV in Southern Africa. Um, we, you know, way back when, you know, two, three decades ago, we in, in Palicia in South Africa, you know, and we, we continue that sort of trailblazing now by trialing MDR, multidrug resistant tuberculosis drugs, bringing it out for the first time, the compassionate use of bedequilin in Armenia three years ago and helping form the new World Health Guidelines for, for tuberculosis and drug resistant tuberculosis last year. So, you know, that could be, a, you know, HIV, TB, you know, you know, disease burdens of exclusion or inequity or imbalance. But then look at the Haiti earthquake. You know, what a huge response we, 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 we made then. Or look at Ebola, what a huge response we made then. Or look at Syria and Yemen, where we're working now. We really are, you know, unique in the sense of being able to do all those different complex things at the same time. There's, there's no point us having logisticians and, and, and medics doing things and advocacy campaigns and, and, and petitions if, you know, we, we can't do any of that without having money. So I don't want to sound crass, but, you know, at the end of the day, if we, if we didn't have money, we wouldn't be able to do any of this. And that's why we do do, do appeals, you know, we, and we won't be shy in saying, give us as much as you can, because, do you know what, we do a very good job. And if I don't say so myself, And we'd like to continue doing such a good job because more often than not, we'll be the only people there giving that care, you know, in in the north of Yemen, in in the backwaters of South Sudan, in in other forgotten places. You know, Uganda took in a million South Sudanese refugees. Their millionth refugee cost went into Sudan, from South Sudan into Uganda this year. Was that even in the headlines? Who's working there? Who's helping Uganda? Well, you can bet your bottom dollar and pound and euro that MSF is there, you know, and and again for the for, for Rohingya in Myanmar and so forth. So, no, I, I'll, I'll gladly say if you, if, you, if you feel like helping and you can't in any other way than giving a pound, we'd gladly receive it. The easiest way to donate is online. msf.org.uk slash bmj. £123 could pay for a blood transfusion for three people. 65 could buy a stretcher to help move an injured person to safety. 
and 54 pounds could provide the antibiotics needed to treat 50 war wounded people. So that's it for the first Christmas BMJ podcast. Tomorrow we'll be back with a look at temperature. You think that your body's operating at 37 degrees centigrade, 96.8 Fahrenheit, unless you have man or woman flu. But where did that figure come from? And should you believe it? Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss out on that or any of our other Christmas BMJ research. Thanks for listening.